Today's episode of The Ringer FC is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get amazing deals. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe to book. No long, endless lists of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight shows you only the best deals at the best hotels. Perfect for whether you're a planner or like to leave things to the very last minute. And with Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. So start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels and download the Hotel Tonight app now. The Ringer FC is also brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase, like to an MLS game, all you have to do is use promo code at RingerFC, download the SeatGeek app, or go right to SeatGeek.com. And welcome to Ringer FC, the soccer podcast with a rubbish bin where its heart should be. <laughs> My name is Chris Ryan. I'm an editor at Ringer.com. I am joined, as always, by Ryan O'Hanlon. Welcome back. Thank you, man. And we are joined for this first segment by Donnie Kwok in New York City, home of NYFC, <laughs> one of the sister clubs of Manchester City, who, against all odds, came back. Do you believe in miracles, Ryan? Manchester City have won the Premier League. Scrappy underdogs. Truly an inspiration. Look, the reason why I think that there's a little bit of irony to our voices is I don't even know if it's irony. It's just we're just subdued about this. Why are we subdued about a historically great club winning the Premier League, arguably the toughest club competition in world football, at a canter, as they say, across the pond? I think uh, that's why we're subdued. It's just the nature of the way the Premier League season is. You know, you play each team twice, add up the points for people who don't know how uh, European (laughs) soccer works, and whoever has the most points wins. And City is so much better than everyone else that... And then they all go to the playoffs, right? (laughs) Exactly. Well, there is no playoffs, so, you know, when there's a dominant team in any other sport, you know, the Warriors sweep through the playoffs, and they have this exultant moment. With City, it was like they convinced us all that they had won the league as of probably December at the latest. It's it's, the way sports works now, too. It's like you can only remember like the last two weeks. Maybe there was also something to the way in which it happened. I mean, you're talking about the last two weeks, Donnie. There was uh, they, they suffered three losses in a row. Fourth would have been the worst run of results for Manchester City since the Stuart Pierce era, I think. Uh, And they wind up beating Tottenham 3-1, which is an incredibly impressive victory in, in any point over the Pochettino era in Tottenham. And then Manchester United throws it all away against West Brom. Now, Pep had come out in the press and said, you know, we might lose the Premier League. This is And winning the Premier League is way harder than winning the Champions League, which would suit his needs at this point because he's not going to win the Champions League. But they're likely to break the points and goal differential record for a single season. And is it is it maybe more of a matter that they won the Premier League because Manchester United lost to West Brom rather than an Aguero moment? Donnie. Well, you know, I think the most memorable Premier League, you mentioned the Aguero, um, you know, the last time City won the title. Premier League seasons, when they end climactically like that, they become sort of indelible yeah. memories. And you, and you mentioned that they might set the points record. The, the team that set the points record is Mourinho's Chelsea, right? And, and nobody really recalls anything about that season. I mean, other than, I don't know, Joe Cole or Damian Duff doing something. So 
they did they aren't the invincibles and that kind of goes against them and they didn't win it in climactic fashion when they should have against United but that said I think going into the Spurs game I think a lot of people were saying or predicting that Spurs were going to win in fact I think they might have even been favored by bookies so that could be the signature sort of you know, I mean, it did essentially clinch the title for them and it was an impressive performance. So, but overall, not having a sort of climactic signature season, yeah, season clinching signature, signature moment does hurt, you know, the history, uh, you know, like uh, the legacy of it. We, Mike and I talked about this last week. It's almost like, like the most memorable moments of this season are City fucking up, you know, the Liverpool 4 3, the loss to Wigan in the FA Cup. Yeah, it's like Champions the Buster League. Douglas Tyson knockout. You know, but even, you know, even those moments, and I say this as a Liverpool fan, I don't feel like I had the blood in my mouth the way I did for like past seasons of like a Chelsea or a Manchester United team where I was like, I'm dying to see these team, <laughs> this team lose. Like, I, I, it's impossible to get upset at some a, a group of individuals who play a team sport this well. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just the the game being played on another level. But I do have a theory I want to bounce off of. Let's you. hear it. Is one of the reasons why we're at seventy five percent energy level about this accomplishment that the most transcendent individual personality, I don't want to say talent because they have a lot of transcendent individual talents, but personality is the manager. And even, you know, I was listening to Sunday Supplement and they were talking about how when Pep got sent to the stands at the halftime of the first leg of the Champions League against Liverpool, that they knew that was it for City. Or rather, sorry, in the second leg. And they were like, they, they knew that was it for City. As if Pep was going to play holding midfield. Yeah. You know, and it, it's like we we associate so much. And now, obviously, Premier League is a manager's league. We associate so much with the managers, whether it's Ferguson, whether it's Mourinho, whether it's Pep. But KDB, Silva, Sterling, even Aguero, incredible players. But they're not kind of thought of in the way we think of Henri, Gerard. Cristiano, even Drogba, even Terry, these like outsized personalities that you could associate something about the team with them. The closest yeah. is company, actually, I would say. And he barely plays. I mean, he's just he come he's out every every two months for three months. It's true. And then, you know, they have Aguero who's just sort of the definition of quietly scoring more goals than anyone yeah. ever thought he ever would have thinks he had when you look at his sort of his stats but I think I wonder if it's also like you know I think this is kind of like the thing that people were holding over Manchester City's head ever since um you know Sheikh Mansour came in and turned them into the most financially powerful team in the world it's kind of like everyone has sort of been like well you have all this money when are you gonna just perform up to the level of you know financial might that you have it's not like pep taking liverpool or like arsenal you know a team that's sure historically successful but like on a lull yeah, yeah on a downside and turning them into the best team we've ever seen he's taking you know this <laughs> not sleeping but this financial behemoth yeah and turning it into the best team and i think that lends it i mean there's just not there's no kind of side narrative that you can tack on to it so donnie obviously one of the great premier league teams statistically one of the great Premier League teams of all time, one of the great English club teams of all time, if not Premier League teams. Does the loss to Liverpool in the Champions League mean this isn't a great season for City, though? Yeah, I mean, it takes away from it, obviously. I think coming into the season, I think getting the Champions League trophy was definitely one of their goals. And it's certainly painted this particular section of the season as being uh, not a failure because obviously they just clinched the trophy, but people are going to have a hard time forgetting how they had the pants beat off them by Liverpool over two legs. I will say this, though, there are five games remaining in the Premier League season, and 
they're against very bad competition and City has nothing else to play for, obviously. So I think if they go out, let's say they win four of their next five games and crush the points record. I mean, I think there's still some season to be played and for them to kind of build up uh, that reputation as as the greatest Premier League side of all time. I have a question for you, Ryan. Are they going to repeat next year? Yes. Are they going to get Kylian Mbappe and repeat? <laughs> That's the rumor, is that they're going to go after him. I That's the Benjamin Men- Mendy field rumor. Uh, I, I get all my news from Benjamin Mendy. <laughs> as we all should. Well, th- I mean, there you go. Benjamin Mendy barely played this season. Yeah. So that, that that's like a new signing. Is and Benjamin they just, Mendy they, good, though? Uh, <laughs> I think any, I, let's not. He's He's definitely good. I think that the team is so young. They have so much money, and they won the league by so much that it's just, I can't see anyone catching them. Well, this is the thing. It's the third season thing now for Pep. Yeah, and I think that, was he, what, that, that was sort of where I was leading is that yeah, typically he, he, he starts to fry out around now. But usually well, that's because he's having some problems either with the board or, you know, with his own wanderlust. Uh, he's well, he's I think s- it's, it's, some it's, mixed signals about whether he's going to stay in City for... I, I can't imagine him coaching anywhere for 10 years. He doesn't seem like he has the personality to be able to get up every day and do the same job for 10 years, but... Uh, you know, I would imagine he's going to be there for at least another two seasons. Well, and it's I mean, also I think, like, sorry. you know, the criticisms of Pepper that his team falters in knockout stage games, right? Like, mm-hmm. the guy wins leagues better than any manager Yeah, but they're ever, just like so. in these high pressure or these big games, he might get a little too cute sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a definite possibility they're winning the league again next year and they get knocked out in the semis and we're sort of having the same conversation yeah. a year later. I mean, Pep said it himself, the Champions League is seven games, I and mean, once you get to the knockout stages, one bad game, you're done. So winning the league is more difficult than winning a knockout competition. I mean, it's a different... Are you, dif- are you trying to difficult- get hired by City to do PR, Donnie? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not, but I will say this. Pep usually doesn't fry out until the fourth season. So I think the third season. Next year will be really interesting because he's won the league now, and, and he's seen, you know, what weaknesses his squad has. It's, it's about kind of refining and figuring out how to sustain the success, but they're going to be... They need a big striker to lump the ball up, too. That's what my take is. (laughs) All right, from the winners of the Premier League to the winners of of the championship, the division below the Premier League, every season, obviously, three teams come up from the championship, three teams go down from the Premier League. The top two teams in the championship get automatic promotion, then the teams between three and six play in a incredibly exciting playoff. So if you have a chance to watch those games... I cannot recommend it highly enough. It is probably one of my favorite things in it's, sports is the championship. What do they call games. it? The most, the most valuable, the game richest in game in world sport. I think because yeah. the, the the ultimate value of being promoted to the Premier League is is greater than I don't know how you even determine that. But Wolves, Wolverhampton Wanderers are coming up, and it's kind of a controversial promotion. I think uh, in the last couple of weeks, obviously, I think some of the older school personalities in the championship, like your Neil Warnocks, <laughs> have sort of expressed a degree of uh, of cynicism about Wolves. And Ryan, why don't you explain to people who don't know how Wolves? went from kind of a middling, what are they, Midlands team? A middling West, Midlands West team. Midlands. Kind of like a, West a, Midlands. a yo-yo it's club c- comes up, Mick McCarthy, a couple years, yada yada, go down. Always in and around promotion and relegation. Um, have had some, like, you know, it seems like they have like a really cool fan base, great yeah. colors, great name. But they, like, how did we get here where we are? I think Wolverhampton is sort of one of the, you know, one of the historic English teams were six, really successful back earlier in the 20th century. But so 
This is what happened with Wolves. So there's this guy, Peter Kenyon, who's a this big shot executive at Man U and Chelsea. He set Wolverhampton up with this Chinese conglomerate called Fosun, who bought the team for 60 million pounds, I think, or 60 million dollars. And Fosun, a, a subsidiary of Fosun, owns part of Gessitute, which is Jorge Mendez, the world super agent. That's his soccer agency. And he's an agent for a lot of... Um Portuguese-based players. Ronaldo, Jose Mourinho. Um, There are reports that over 60% of the business that comes out of Portugal, Jorge Mendes has something to do with it. And now the manager of Wolverhampton is Nuno Espirito Santo, who was Jorge Mendes' first client when he got into being an agent. They have this guy, Ruben Neves, who's the youngest player to ever captain a team in the Champions League for Porto, and yet he's playing for a team in the championship. Diogo Jota, who is owned by Atletico Madrid, played for Porto in the Champions League last year, is now starting up top for Wolverhampton. And there's a handful of other... There's, I think, five other Portuguese players on the team and another Frenchman, Willie Boley. Willie Boley. A, a favorite of Donny, who is on loan from Porto. So basically, it's it's kind of a... It's almost like out in the open that Jorge Mendez is just funneling players to this team. Right. It's not an unheard of situation in, in English football to have these kinds of strange relationships between clubs where you have like Watford owned by the Pazzo family, but they also own Udinese and Granada. And there's a lot of exchange of players on loan going on. And Watford is going to going to finish possibly even the top half of the table this season. They're mm-hmm. safe. What about Tevez and Mascarano to West Ham? Well, that was the Kia Dropshin situation where there was a lot of third-party ownership going on, and Kia obviously funneled these two players who ordinarily I don't think people would have thought West Ham would ever be able to afford, and they afforded, we were able to afford both of them. And then he flipped those guys to to United and to to Liverpool. And obviously. we should say agents are typically getting a portion of the transfer fee whenever a player I would say changes teams. <laughs> even more than that, unlike basketball or football here, where there is probably a fixed number that the agent is getting off of a contract deal, there doesn't seem to be any limitations on what an agent can make. It's really what the club is willing to pay. So you hear these ludicrous numbers about like what Mino Raiola makes from a Paul Pogba deal. You know, these fees that come up front for Neymar's father for organizing the PSG deal. And when you have situations where there are blurred lines between the agent and the player, i.e. my dad is my agent, then you can look (laughs) at that as another fee that's going to the player himself. All this to say is this is very complicated, and Wolverhampton Wanderers aren't the first guys to sit down at a poker table with a fixed deck. Nor the last. Yes. So the question is, is this fair? And the question is, if it is or isn't, does it matter? First of all, can I mention that the real reason that Wolves is getting promoted is because of Kanye West? <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see the tweet that was re- retweeted after they earned the promotion? It was the Kanye West tweet from 2016. I'm a fix Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. He did. And now he's back on Twitter, so we have everything we need. Um, Ryan, do you think that? Uh, do you think that this is fair? <laughs> I think fair. There is no fair in football. Exactly. There, there is no fair because it's, you know, is it fair that Qatar owns PSG, that United Arab, Arab Emirates are sort of using Manchester City as a marketing nothing arm fair about the country? Nothing's fair There's about There's nothing, but it's... You got to do the work, though. They won. Yeah, I mean, Ryan made this point, I think, in our, in our group post about City winning the title. I mean, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but basically, it's one thing to have the money. It's another thing, like, what you do with the money. And so, Wolves spent the money wisely, and I think... More so than Mendez, it's it's Nuno Santo. That's kind of the reason why they're getting promoted because 
coming into the season, I think they were like 12, 12 to one odds to win. It wasn't like they were coming in as the overwhelming favorite. I mean, Boro spent a shit ton of money. Leeds spent a shit ton of money, even more than um more than Wolves did over the summer. So I'm buying all the stock in Wolves, by the way. Once Ryan expressed like sale. a little, it's all owned by Greg. Yeah, it's all frozen. I'm buying. I'm buying all the like the you know figurative stuff. You're right though, Donnie. I have nothing but respect for any team that wins the championship. That is an absolute like Fury Road gauntlet. It's like what 43, 44 game season. I think 46. 46 game season plus you're playing in two domestic cups. I mean that's full full of hard men. Yeah. yeah, 40 the championship is sort of what this stereotype of English soccer is. Like the Premier League, you know, none of the good managers are English in the Premier League anymore, but in the championship it's still like very much be a man. Yeah. Boot the ball into the stands. Don't play out of the back. English grit. Yeah. Spe- speaking of odds, I just read that I think it was William Hill has <laughs> Wolves at eight to one odds to finish in the top four <laughs> next season. <laughs> but you know, to to the point that you guys are talking about, in some ways, the Premier League might actually be easier for Wolves in the Championship because there will will be more space on the ball, and and you usually play better with better competition. Ironically, sometimes. Yeah, I think it would just be more of a matter of what 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 of their talent can they retain. Yeah. And what talent can they attract? Well, I think it's what's, you know, Jorge Mendez's plan with Ruben Neves, who I think it's safe to say is, like, good enough to be playing for one of the knockout stage teams in the Champions League. Like, was his plan with bringing him to Wolverhampton for him to just stay on Wolverhampton? Yeah, it can't be, right? But or that's is, not exactly a shop window to put him in. I mean, you get a couple of articles about how well he's playing for Wolves. Is that really enough for, for Barca by, by to buy account, him? By all accounts, he's going to stay. But I, I would say to that point too, Ryan, and the overall Wolves thing is that this isn't a case, to me at least, of player parking. You know what I mean? No. Or, so, or, right. It, it's like it's a project. It's like a, a 360 project. And Nuno Santo as the manager is at the head. And they have these this Portuguese spine. But they also have other, you know, they have English players. Connor Cody, who's actually a Liverpool product. Other people that are contributing as well. And so uh, it's not like this thing where they get promoted and I think all of their best players are just going to disperse across the, you know, top six sides. Yeah, I, I think... What I would say overall is that it's not great that agents have this huge influence over world soccer, but part of the reason that I think they do is because the clubs are pretty stupid for the most part, and the agents are actually smart. And the reality is that agents just have this control. And so, you know, you get a situation like this, and it it creates a a fun team to watch, at least. I mean, the Ruben Neves go, I don't think he's scored some like eight six, seven, or eight goals, and they're all from outside the box. The goal he scored the other day, I don't know, is maybe the goal of the season where he takes one touch and just rips a 30-yard volley into the upper corner. I admire them for how stable they've become, and I admire them for how they went about their business this year. I can tell you right off the bat that if I owned a championship squad, what I would do is take all the money, like literally fire everyone, and then just like buy Dybala. (laughs) I'd buy Pablo Dybala and see if I could win the championship with Pablo Dybala and like six guys from a pub. (laughs) I'll tell you what, though. I'm really, really excited about Wolves in the Premier League next year. It's like they're going to fit in. I mean, look, at they have the foreign money. They got the young, bright manager and all this promising continental talent. I mean, it's going to be they're going to fit into this modern Premier League. I don't think they're going to finish in the top four. But it's an interesting team to have in there. And as you mentioned, it's like a founding member of the Football League. So it's it, they belong there. All right, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And we'll be back with Micah Peters to talk about Italy, to talk about the Champions League, to talk about Harry swearing Kane's daughter. on your daughter's <laughs> life about things. <laughs> 
Today's episode of The Ringer FC is brought to you by Bookmaker.eu. With over 30 years' experience, Bookmaker.eu is your online bookmaker for all your football betting needs, both professional and recreational. They offer a wide selection of betting options on soccer and football, including live betting, which allows you to wager on the game uninterrupted from start up until the final whistle, as well as alternate totals and handicaps, futures to advance win through the UEFA competitions to win the FA Cup, top four finishes in the Premier League, whether somebody's going to get relevant and finish last in the Premier League. What team will advance in the World Cup? What team will win the World Cup? The bets are then graded within seconds and your account is credited instantly. Plus, with mobile betting, you can access your bookmaker betting account anytime, anywhere from your desktop, tablet, or smartphone. No download is necessary. No wonder Bookmaker has been mentioned in many major media outlets, including the New York Times, Forbes, SB Nation, ESPN, CBS Sports, USA Today, and is known by the pros as where Vegas goes for the opening line. Visit bookmaker.eu slash FC to join and claim your cash welcome bonus of up to $1,000. That's bookmaker.eu FC to join and claim your cash welcome bonus of up to $1,000. U.S. betters accepted. Today's episode of The Ringer FC is also brought to you by Ring. Our new sponsor, Ring, first made a splash when they were on Shark Tank a few years ago, and the concept is genius. If someone rings your doorbell and you aren't home or don't want to answer, you can respond to the person using just your smartphone, adding both a level of security and convenience. Today, over a million people are using the Ring Video Doorbell. I love this thing. It's basically like an intercom and a security system on your phone for your doorbell. Ring transmits audio and video to your smartphone, so you have a complete sense of who's outside, what they want. You can interact with them through the phone. You can see, you can you can hear. It's a fantastic product. I love using it, just like Ring's amazing doorbell. Uh, they have a new product. It's called the Ring Floodlight Cam. And just like the doorbell, Floodlight Cam is a motion-activated camera and floodlight with HD video and two-way audio. So it's a lot like that intercom type product that I described. But this one's great because it basically illuminates your front porch or wherever you have it installed so that you can see who's up on, on your door at any given time. You can speak to visitors or even set off a built-in alarm right from your phone. Simply put, with Ring, you are always home. And now, as a listener, you can save up to $150 off a Ring of Security kit when you go to ring.com slash FC. Up to $150 off ring.com slash FC. That's ring.com slash FC. All right, we are back. We are joined by Micah Peters. What's up, Micah? What's going on? Les Bromwich. <laughs> uh, just wanted wow. to throw that in there. Wow. wow. We're not here to talk about Manchester United for once. We're not going to do that to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's very considerate of both of you. We're going every two weeks now, and that allows us to kind of take some macro looks at... Um, Can I just say game. something real quick? Yeah, sure. Uh, I do this podcast uh, about Atlanta once a week. Yeah. Recapables. You do? I- I'm on it, and you're, people you're, should listen to it. You're on it? Yeah. Can I hear your Teddy Perkins voice? <laughs> this is his Teddy Perkins voice. <laughs> this is your Teddy Perkins voice. <laughs> uh, Micah is also on the Recapables. So you should check him out on that. Um, you guys just didn't get my joke. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was quite, it was, it was a good joke, Ryan. It was a good joke, Ryan. <laughs> I think it was, um... Let me talk about this for a second because we could take a macro view of the world of soccer. And sometimes I think stories, the 24-hour news cycle, things happen so fast, man. Uh-huh that we forget the big important things, you know, and we don't really take time to appreciate them. So I I just want to say that there is no limit. It is impossible to talk too much about (laughs) Harry Kane swearing on his daughter's life <laughs> that he scored a goal against Stoke that had originally been credited Christian Eriksen. And and let me be 100% clear about my biases here. I don't have any. I don't really care about Tottenham. I don't really care about Harry Kane until now. Because it is ab- 
absolutely impossible to overstate what a fucking loser this guy is. <laughs> For swearing uh, on the life oh, of his daughter listen. that he got a toe on a ball against Stoke, even though he's still five Did goals it? behind Mo Salah in the golden boot for the Premier League let's, let's, I don't care if he gets to inherit the entire Adidas Corporation. Is he sponsored by Adidas? Who does no, this shoe? Nike. Nike. I don't care if he gets he gets Phil Knight's job if he wins golden boot. I don't care. Why would you swear? What if there was just like a 1.1.1.1.1 decimal percent chance if he's wrong? What if he's just like, I just, perception is weird. I didn't see it that way. <laughs> you swore on the life of your daughter that you got a goal and you're not even within a goal of this dude? You're not going to catch the Egyptian Messi, dog. So why are we doing this? I just have to talk about this because... Harry Kane said after the game, I swear on the life of my daughter, that was my goal. Okay? The homies at Liverpool really enjoyed this. Okay? Afterwards, what happened was a apparently there is a jury, there is a committee, there is a, a quorum somewhere who takes into account the extraordinary circumstances of swearing on the life of your daughter. It's like, oh, Three league oh, officials. Oh, you swear Three on the life of a child? Yeah. We'll check it out. Let's make sure you do, <laughs> that, that is your goal. If I was Christian Eriksen, I would hand in a transfer request tomorrow. Let's be yeah. very specific about what happened, though. After the game, Harry Kane tweets, another great team win. Definitely my goal, though. <laughs> <laughs> the ball flicked off of my shoulder. I'm sure Alan uh, Shearer and Gary Lineker will clear it up for me on match of the day. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's honestly, and then when it was overturned it's really good that like Mo Salah took to Twitter and tweeted wow seven O's seven O's really and Siva Mignolet replied with a picture of a gif of uh, Mark Zuckerberg drinking water in his committee let's be totally clear here too we just we were talking about Manchester City earlier with Donnie Raheem Sterling is one of like the five best players in the Premier League and routinely for 90 minutes all you hear is British commentators being like wasteful Wasteful in his pot. Gotta oh finish that. He's like at a, like an acute angle, ninety yards from the goal. He's like, gotta finish that. Put it through the back of the onion bag. But Harry Kane, England's lion. Everybody just is like, oh, non. Take what's yours, Prince of England. It's just like ridiculous. Are you kidding me? I mean, like seriously, the the difference in the way that they were talking about Raheem Sterling running circles around Davis and Sanchez and Vertonghen for like ninety minutes. Wasteful on Saturday. And then, you know, like, I'm crazy blazing over the bar. He actually scored in that game. Know. You know, like, let us, let's, 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 you know, like, mark that down. Let's empty out the notebook. Harry Kane might have had three touches the entire game. Yeah, he had uh, zero shots. <laughs> Followed this up with a game with zero shots. Uh, um, after Saw's, you know, scoring basically every time he plays Manchester City. I, I, I just think this is one of the funniest things that's this, happened. This, this is one of those things, like, can I ask you guys as players? What's what? the protocol here? The protocol is if someone on my team said this, I'd be like, you, you you're fucking... A, you're a fucking... <laughs> like, are you fucking what's, kidding me? What's wrong with you? I, if I, I was Erickson, I would have swore on Harry Kane's daughter's life that it was my goal. <laughs> <laughs> Check me! Yeah, exactly. Either way, it's a tough day for Harry Kane's daughter. No, I mean, I like, if you were Christian Harry Erickson... Kane's daughter. You want to know who brought her into this? Harry Kane. You know, you yep. know what you would do if you were Christian Erickson? You would understand because you know that as a Tottenham player, you understand that you only get paid 
paid in bonuses. So. <laughs> That's the thing that I was wondering about. I was just like, dude, if you if you're hard up for money, just 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 be like, come and get me to Manchester United. <laughs> yeah. What, what is the issue here? It, this well, then he won't be able to take the six shots a game that he likes to take or whatever. He probably okay. So this is one thing that I think a lot of people did. Some some of the. If you're not, if you're just like a casual sports fan and you see something like this, these guys have incentives in their contracts yeah. for mm-hmm. all sorts of things, whether it's double digits goals, whether it's leading the league in goals, whether it's Golden Boot or World Cup. In their sneaker contracts and their team contracts, they have incentives to hit these numbers. You see it all the time in the NBA where uh, guys will just be going. I mean, you know, Ryan made this joke to me the other day about the, is Harry Kane the Russell Westbrook of the EPL? I guarantee you, Russell Westbrook got some bonus for averaging a triple double for boxing out Carmelo mm-hmm. Anthony. Also, like, it's, he's that's not, not that hard. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's, 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 that's very true. Podcast, but <laughs> not that hard. The difference between Harry Kane and Ru- Russell Westbrook is that Ru- Russell Westbrook's cool and he's not fucking <laughs> putting a claim on his daughter's life. Yes. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. What is the over under on the amount of shots Harry? Kane Kane takes at his season finale against Leicester. What's like the most shots a human being could physically take in a game? Like if the other team is trying. 30? I mean, <laughs> I think Pochettino lines up in a 901 formation and the four of the defenders are just his phalanx of bodyguards to clear out so that he can... Like, so they're literally going to do the flying V from the Mighty yes. Duck against, against <laughs> yes. Leicester City. So last year in... I think it was the last two games of the season, so May 18th, May 21st, Harry Kane scored three goals against Stoke and then four against Leicester. <laughs> so this guy, it's a, it's a yeah, it's a gar- garbage time golden boot winner. Wow. I got that. I feel I feel a lot better now. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> I had to get that off my chest. All right, let's talk about actual football. Well, actually, Not let's really. talk about more people losing. Let's talk it about in more public. people losing their shit. This is. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm very curious to see where we're standing on this because one of I would say on the Rushmore of uh, iconic personalities that we adore here at the Rare FC, Gianluigi Buffon, the g- goalkeeper for Juventus and for the Italian national team for so many years. We love him because he obviously cares more about soccer than any other person who's ever lived in the world. He is, every game he plays, every emotion he runs through is right there on his face. He is the king of, if he makes a mistake, tearing paint strips off of his defenders <laughs> for it. His ire was directed at some else after Juventus lost to Real Madrid in the Champions League quarterfinals, and that was English referee Michael Oliver. Ryan, why don't you, can you set up the scene a little bit here? Real Madrid wins the first like 3-0. In Turin at Juventus, Juventus's best player, Pablo Dybala, gets red carded in what, the 70th minute? Yeah. It's over, because three, you're three goals down on the road against the two-time defending European champs. Juventus proceed to come back, make it 3-3 at the Bernabeu what, in the 60th minute or something? Could have been 4-3. Could have even been 5-3. And it looks like the game's about to go to extra time. Ball gets played into the box, back post at Ronaldo. Ronaldo gets up, heads it just right to the top of the six-yard box. Lucas Vasquez runs onto it. <laughs> ball bounces up. This is where I, what we don't talk about enough, the ball is on Lucas Vasquez's chest. Buffon has pretty good positioning, and Medi Benadia just comes through the back yeah. of Lucas Vasquez. Michael Oliver, as he should, awards a penalty. And then Juventus, like fucking Vesuvius, explodes. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> Buffon, I think his 
his jaw like unhinged. Yeah. Michael Oliver's head. It was like head. something out of the Conjuring. Michael Oliver's head. <laughs> so Michael Oliver gives Buffon a red card for dissent, disrespect, whatever. So Buffon has to leave the field. Wojciech Szczesny, Buffon's backup, thankfully Juventus hasn't used all three subs, comes on. So it's, what, five minutes between the penalty and the actual taking of the penalty. So Szczesny has to try to save this penalty. Ronaldo takes it. And Harry Kane steps in and flicks it yeah, into the exactly. Harry Kane, <laughs> Harry Kane uh, hits it in with his shoulder. So just sort of the most insane sort of sequence of events I think I can recall in recent memory. And then after the game, uh, Buffon said, quote, the referee has a trash can where his heart should be. I believe he also said that this was the, the, the decision of an animal and yeah. not a human being. <laughs> And he said if he can't understand the situation, he should be up in the stands with his wife drinking orange juice and eating, and eating chips. I'm glad yeah. you brought his Michael Oliver's wife into this because it wasn't just Buffon who was losing it. The Italian press, not chill. Juventus Please. will not forget him Let- either. A dream snatched away. That is if Gianluigi Buffon dreams. He who Michael Oliver sent off just to be sure of adding a legendary touch to his display. And this is what they said. If Mr. Michael Oliver, United Kingdom, 33 years old from Ashington, wanted to put his name down in history, then he succeeded. They're like naming him and his age and his address in case you want to go find this dude and his family. Real Madrid will not easily forget him. This is wild, man. Like they, the the Italian press flipped out about this. Buffon flipped out about this. It was so raw. I mean, it was just incredible. But what I I guess it's like, when does it go from this is funny to uh, maybe like somebody needs to tase this dude? Probably when Juve fans are harassing Michael Oliver's wife on Twitter. I think that <laughs> yeah. that's probably you know that's 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 that'll that'll do that'll do guys. But I mean, like as far as Buffon's reaction to it, I mean, like in the in the heat of the moment. And, you know, like, it it really looks like you're about to do the business at home. Like, it's going to be the greatest comeback ever. Yeah. You're going to the, exercise your demons. defending Champions yeah. League champions, yeah. And then 30 seconds from time, just have it snatched away from you. I mean, like, the thing is that, like, as much as I wanted Juventus to come back and win that game, it was a penalty. Yeah. Like, you know, like, it's—and it's, it's and Buffon's reaction was— I mean, like, as much as you would expect from him. I mean, like, he said, I forget who who pulled up the quote, but he was talking about Zidane. He was just like, how do you think you're going to end your, your club career? And he was just like, I don't know, maybe I'll go out, like you Zidane. know, like, like Zidane like, and yeah. help somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Who, against Italy. Against yeah. Italy. Yeah. After he, uh, <laughs> after he uh, put in a paneka on Buffon, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. I think we should just briefly say that, like, Buffon is like kept going with this yes. since the game. Yes. And like Buffon is a powerful person. Michael Oliver and Michael Oliver's wife are not. Yeah. Yeah. Um so he's kind of punching down on these people, which but the guy just needs to give it a break because Michael Oliver's wife is just getting harassed on Twitter. Yeah. But the thing the other thing about this is like you you listen to like what Buffon and the other guys are saying their, their whole kind of reasoning is that he shouldn't have given a penalty because it ruined sort of the story of the game. Mm-hmm. 
Like it ruined this legendary comeback that they'd made, and that's why Michael Oliver shouldn't have given the PK. Like, here's the thing: just don't fucking lose at home three nothing in the first game, yeah. and maybe this would never happen. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that this has been an interesting Champions League because of these kinds of. Dis- this has been an interesting Champions League quarterfinal round specifically because of these decisions that have sort of, in some ways, the what was it, the second goal that was waved off in City Liverpool mm-hmm. was what uh, Pep sort of lost it about. You have these decisions in the Juventus game. And this is what happens in Champions League. I mean, I I, can, I actually do remember certain calls or certain moments like this more than I remember sometimes who wins the Champions League. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll never, ever forget Robin Van Persie getting red carded, getting a second yellow yeah. for booting a ball that was dead and getting yellowed for time-wasting at uh, the new Camp. Mm. You know, and it's like it, it, these kinds of things that will just stay with you because you just, like, time stops. Every Liverpool-Chelsea match in Champions League was just... Dudes yelling at refs for 95 minutes. Yeah. Drogba and Terry and Lampard and Xabi Alonso and Steven Gerrard and Mascherano screaming in referees' faces for, for 95 minutes. And that's what I... I can't even remember who won which round in, the, in those 2008 like Champions League runs. Yeah, I mean, I think barring some sort of incredible finish to this Champions League, this specific incident is what I'm going to remember about this season. Well, let's talk a little bit about the finish to the Champions League kind of off the top. So we got a Roma-Liverpool semi. Yes. Which will set... I, I, I mean, this was probably... This is the best possible semi-draw for the sake of the final, I think, because you'll get a Cinderella team against one of the European powerhouses. Uh-huh. Um, but would you rather have seen a Bayern... Real final. No. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, like, just because I, we've seen that multiple times. And I understand, like, the, the the idea that you want to have the ostensible best teams playing each other in the final or whatever, but I would much rather have, like, the randomness of the, the, un, the like, the unknown of what 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 would Liverpool or Roma do in a final potentially against one of those teams. Yeah, I think it's, um, the narrative of it is just more interesting with an upstart I mean, calling Roma or Liverpool upstarts is kind of insane, yeah. but given the sort of global hierarchy, I think the possibility of one of those two teams winning it is way more interesting than, like, does Real Madrid win their third in a row? Does Bayern win their first since, you know, Jupinka's last one with yeah. Bayern Munich? Um, does Ronaldo successfully score in literally every Champions League game? Right. Yeah, he's scored in every Champions League game thus far. That's It's insane. I, I mean, I think, do you guys think that, you know, from the Liverpool or Roma perspective... Would you rather play a team like Real Madrid over one leg or two? Because part of me feels like, as we saw with Juventus, like there are a lot of flaws with Real Madrid, and maybe over two games you kind of get enough chances to exploit those. But in one game, it's like Ronaldo finishes two chances. Yeah, and you're just I think fucked. that I think Liverpool has a way better ha, I, Bayern. I don't know, but against Real, I think Liverpool would have a way better chance over two legs where they jump them once. And then defend again, you know, yeah. defend in the second leg and try and keep the ball out of the net. As far as Bayern, I, I I don't know how to judge this Bayern team. And there's been this really interesting conversation that's been happening about whether or not some of these cl- clubs like Barca, who's obviously had a couple of problems in the Champions League over the last few years. But when these teams jump out to these big domestic leads in their in their club competitions, whether or not that doesn't quite prepare them for the 
the on-boil situational football that happens in a Champions League two-leg or even a one-leg you know, game where they're just not prepared to counter like certain things. It's not about not having a plan B. It's just, you know, Jonathan Wilson was talking about this on the On the Continent podcast where he's just like, I don't know that these teams really know how to defend for that long. Yeah, and that's they don't and need to. If you put them in a position where they have to, if you put Barcelona in a position where you are coming at them for 90 minutes, you might get some goals in there, yeah. which is what happened with Roma. Yeah, well, I think it's an even a wider point of like, I actually don't know that I know anything about any of these teams yet. Like we knew we know that Liverpool's like numbers are great and they've pretty much destroyed everyone they've played in the Champions League, but they've had a pretty easy draw until Man City and the Manchester City performance was obviously really impressive. They won 5-1, but we still knew they kind of had this sort of stylistic advantage over Man City. With Bayern, the draw has been super easy. The German league is trash this season. Mm -hmm. With Real, we kind of have always known that like the team doesn't really have a defining sort of style of play. They just it's oversimplified, I guess, but like they just end up winning games. Obviously the team is flawed. If you blow a 3-0 lead at home, there's something wrong with your team. So like I don't I have no idea still really like there's a decent chance that Liverpool is the best team of these four teams left for all we know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Over the course of 90 minutes, sure. Yeah. In, in one 90 minute game that they might be they might be the best suited to it. Michael, what do you think? The thing is that like I've I've my assumption with Real Madrid is always that there is, you know, some sort of invisible hand tipping the scales mm -hmm. in their favor. And it's like the, the feeling, Buffon agrees with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the feel the the feeling is that whatever is going to happen at the end of 90 minutes in a single game in the Champions League, I feel like Real Madrid is capable of doing the thing that they're supposed to do, especially over these last three seasons. So there's definitely a feeling of inevitability to the Real Madrid team. But at the same time, like City looked like the best team in Europe for a couple, for, you know, a couple months or whatever. And Liverpool dispatched them five to one. Yeah. Roma came back and like had that ridiculous comeback against uh, Barcelona. Barcelona. Sorry. And Bayern, I mean, just feels like they've been resting up. Like, so. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see how it goes. Speaking of inevitability, there's one thing that is inevitable in MLS right now, mm. and that is Latan Ibrahimovic of the Los Angeles Galaxy. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what's been going on with him this weekend? Right. Well, this weekend, uh, the LA Galaxy went to play Chicago Fire in Chicago. It was 40 degrees, rainy, and windy, which is, you know, like perfect conditions for, uh, you know, Zlatan. <laughs> you know, like reminds him of rainy nights in Stoke. Uh, it's. <laughs> He uh, headed in a winner, like a uh, stoppage time of the first half, I want to say it was. But I mean, like, anyway, it doesn't really matter. Uh, Galaxy were kind of having, like, trouble getting things going. Or were just unlucky because they had two goals called back uh, early on. But anyway, they uh, Ashley Cole just hung a ball way up there, and Zlatan went and got it and scored a winner. <laughs> should Ashley Cole be on the plane? Ashley Cole is on the plane. <laughs> um, uh, we, we should say that... Uh, it was a record crowd in Chicago. Nice. And after the game, Zlatan said, we come with the sun, they come with the wind, but the sun was stronger today. So we're happy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love how he like talks about... I feel about... like there's now a Zlatan quote generator that he's just reading off his phone now. Yeah. It's like the Wu-Tang name generator. <laughs> it's the Wu-Tang name generator, except it's only like dialogue from the Gladiator and Troy. Exactly. Um... But anyway, he says that the chances of him playing in the World Cup this summer are now sky high. <laughs> Can't wait. Please do it. Please do Please, it. Please, for all of us. All right. For Micah, for Ryan, for Donnie, I'm Chris. We'll be back with you in two weeks. Keep the ball in play.
Support for today's Ringer FC comes from Bookmaker.eu. With over 30 years of experience, Bookmaker.eu is your online bookmaker for all your football betting needs, both professional and recreational. They offer a wide selection of betting options on soccer and football, including live betting, which allows you to wager on the game uninterrupted from start until the final whistle. Plus, with mobile betting, you can access your Bookmaker betting account anytime, anywhere, from your desktop, tablet, or smartphone. No download necessary. Visit Bookmaker.eu slash FC today to join and claim your cash welcome bonus of up to $1,000. That's bookmaker.eu slash FC to join and claim your cash welcome bonus of up to $1,000. U.S. bettors accepted. 